Bellamy, Washington is now looked upon as an environmental leader, right? What changed this session? Yes, the climate laws that passed here this past session are really significant. We've got a cap-and-trade bill to reduce carbon pollution, a clean fuel standard affecting how we power our transportation, the big new HEAL Act on environmental justice and climate, new regulations on super-polluting hydrofluorocarbons, and new regulations of plastics to reduce waste and improve recycling. These laws were all signed in one day by the governor. Okay, so let's lay out what these laws do, starting with the Climate Commitment Act. This is the cap-and-trade law. It puts a price on carbon pollution. So essentially, this makes the goals that the state already has on the books for reducing carbon pollution more than just a dream. It actually creates a pathway for reaching them in the law by putting a firm cap on how much pollution is allowed and charging big polluters who fail to meet it. The revenue that's raised from that will be used primarily to fund clean transportation and programs or projects that address or reverse that pollution. This is hundreds of millions of dollars, more than $350 million in the first full year alone, 2024. So the official language in this bill is actually cap and invest. Aha. So how ambitious is the actual plan? It's ambitious. We're aiming <laughs> to cut climate pollution by over 50 percent in the next nine years to get us to net zero by 2050. This is roughly equivalent to what California is doing in terms of the goal, but we're behind, so we need to reduce about 6% per year of our pollution when it starts. Another difference here is that we're committed through 2050 with no reauthorization necessary, whereas California has to re-up. That's why people are saying it's a leading climate law. Well, how did Governor Inslee and the Democrats in the legislature manage to get this through? I mean, they failed with putting a price on carbon in the past, right? They have failed in the legislature and twice with voter initiatives. So I understand this time it was partly just momentum on climate issues in general and also the dynamics in the legislature with the key Senate Environment Committee controlled by a Democrat, Reuven Carlisle. So it wasn't a larger number of Democrats in the Senate, but rather the right people in the right place at getting it done. Well, wasn't there a veto, though, by the Governor Bellamy regarding some of the legislation? It was controversial. Yes, indeed there was. Thank you for mentioning that. The <laughs> legislation was passed through a compromise that Inslee vetoed when he signed it, and it was to be linked to a five-cent gas tax that would have to pass in the upcoming special session to help pay for a new transportation package, that would have to get done in order for this to take effect. The governor said this climate action is too important to be linked to that. But this has been challenged. There's a lawsuit. It's before the state Supreme Court. And a really key thing that helped this bill pass is that it had environmental justice baked into it. So let's hear from an advocate and lobbyist, Paula Sardinas. She's the CEO of a group called Build Back Black. We made environmental justice part of our mission, part of our goal, and we delivered. There are governors and assemblies and legislatures all over the country that are looking at Washington right now and saying, how did they do it? Paula Sardinas was speaking as part of a webinar on this legislation from a group called Clean and Prosperous Washington. And a really key point that she made that's important about this legislation is that it has twin goals, not just of addressing global greenhouse gas emissions, but also cutting local carbon pollution. So this is really an important step forward. It means that communities that are on the front lines will have a voice. And she said that two years from today, you'll be able to measure 
what your air quality was before the Climate Commitment Act went into effect and what it is now. And she says people need to be aware of that and get to the table because there are opportunities for involvement. There are real measurable goals that you can take back to overburdened communities and say, we are not just creating a policy that is lip service. We're not just creating a policy that says we hope things get better and, you know, we wish you luck. We should note here that all of this is bolstered by the so-called HEAL Act, Healthy Environment for All Act. This is the landmark environmental justice legislation that creates a council, which, among other things, will oversee programs and workings of the cap and trade law to make sure that it's being done in a way that improves air quality for communities who have been disproportionately impacted by air pollution from fossil fuels. So something I've learned in your past reporting, Bellamy, isn't it true that polluters will be able to buy their way out of limits on emissions, some that exist in these communities? Yes. And this is controversial in some circles. Some groups are saying that, you know, allowances or offsets are actually licenses to pollute. So if you live near a big polluter, let's say it's a steel company, Nucor Steel or an aluminum factory or something like that, where there's a lot of air pollution, if that company pays to not reduce its pollution, your air is still being dirtied by those emissions. The law aims to counteract that by really keeping an eye on it, limiting the number of allowances for things like that, and having that air pollution monitoring locally so that it doesn't pan out that way. The way that it has in some communities in California, they really tried to learn from what happened there and improve it with this law and its uh, policies. All right. Well, something a bit more tangible for most people, you'll have to start asking for plastic utensils and condiments when you get your takeout, according to one of the bills that passed. Yeah. And this might seem like a little thing, but it's actually huge when you think about, you know, especially during the pandemic, all this plastic that's piles up when you get your takeout. And um, we have a new law that takes effect starting January 1st, you know, less than a year away. And so statewide, any takeout food service is supposed to ask you your permission. Do you want this? And some people are already experiencing that now. Some of the, the outlets are already doing it. But this is a, an effort to, to really address that. And it's very comprehensive here. No other state apparently has included plastic lids for cold beverages in this. So that's included as well. It also includes a ban on styrofoam, um, which starts with plastic peanuts, you know, those packing peanuts. Oh, yeah. All the food service items like plates and clamshell containers, um, coolers. These are things that would wash up in the ocean and, you know, be broken down and turn into what looks like fish food but is really harming wildlife. It's also linked to fossil fuels because these are made with petroleum products. And um, another big part of the law is minimum recycled content in containers, um, milk jugs, plastic bags, things like that. All of that links back to the sort of climate action goal of reducing our use of these fossil fuels, but in this case, also cleaning up the oceans. All right, Bellamy, thank you so much. I've learned so much. It's so nice to get you in here and, and break down uh, the details of all these environmental laws that have passed. Happy to do it, Kirsten.